It's the Friday News and Notes Edition, next on Baseball HQ Radio. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. The fireworks are going. Learn to play the winner's way, because Baseball HQ Radio starts right now. And here's your host from BaseballHQ.com, columnist Patrick Davitt. And welcome to Baseball HQ Radio for Friday, August the 9th. It's show number 34 of the 2013 fantasy baseball season. I am Patrick Davitt, your host, and we do have another great show for you with our regular contributors from BaseballHQ.com, the best fantasy baseball website in the business. We'll have player news from the National League with Harold Nichols and from the American League with Jock Thompson. And we'll have our regular weekly talk with Todd, featuring Todd Zola discussing how to prepare for the stretch run. It's another big Friday show. Thanks for joining us at Baseball HQ Radio. Hey, what do you say? The big bopper Mark Reynolds, he got sent down. We gotta talk some baseball. Yes, the Indians have designated slugging Mark Reynolds for assignment, which means they have 10 days to trade him, release him, or place him on waivers. Reynolds already told the Indians he won't accept a minor league assignment. The Indians made the move because Reynolds was putting together some truly horrible stats since a very hot start. Through the first 20% of the season, he was hitting almost 300 with 11 home runs and an OPS over 1,000. That's Miguel Cabrera country. Since then, however, a 178 batting average, just four home runs, and a 517 OPS, 100 points worse than Henry Blanco. And what's worse, after getting his contact rate up to 75% in that early run, it has fallen back to 64% since. That's a lot of whiffing for six million bucks plus. The beneficiary of this move will probably be Ryan Rayburn, who has been running hot lately. And speaking of running hot, Cleveland has to do something because they are chasing a red-hot Tigers team for the AL Central title, and they're still within striking distance of a play-in wildcard spot. But they have to get things going. Reynolds is just 29, so it's too soon to say if his career is over, and we will watch to see if he catches on with a team that needs a shot of offense, Texas. But the stats and the signs don't look good for Mark Reynolds, one of the most impressive power hitters of the last few years. We have our own power hitting lineup here at Baseball HQ Radio for the Friday edition. The first inning of our show is our League Watch News reports. Jock Thompson is on deck with players from the American League. And leading off, it's our National League report and our old friend Harold Nichols. Nick, welcome back to Baseball HQ Radio. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Good to be here. Well, it's always great to have you, Nick. Uh, let's start by talking about Stephen Nickrand's column at BaseballHQ.com. He's our starting pitching buyer's guide columnist. And he looked at the July leaders in base performance value, uh, base performance value, a combined metric of all the statistics we look at at BaseballHQ.com to measure skills. And one of the names that popped off the list, Chris Capiano, the starting pitcher of the Dodgers. Yeah, Chris Capiano is suddenly coming on after a, after a bit of a slow start. A uh, uh, 4.16 ERA for the season, but 1.90 over the last month. 
126 BPB over the last month. Capuano is looking very, very good. A solid combination of dominance and, and outstanding control. Uh, here's a guy that might make a good target for the stretch run because he's really pitching well at this, at this particular time. And the question always is, Nick, are the skills there or for the month or for the year, or, or is it just a matter of short-run luck? With Capiano, the skills are really there for the year. If you look at the total skills, his total BPV for the year at this point is 94, which is uh, is right on the border of what we would call elite. I mean, a, a good, nice ground ball tilt to what he's doing, a uh, solid dominance, 3.5 command, uh, striking out seven guys per nine innings, uh, XERA below four. So here's a guy who's really been pitching pretty well all year, uh, just hasn't had the, the necessarily the, the luck to go with it. But uh, the luck's uh, been better the last month, uh, a, uh, and uh, skills have actually been even stronger in the past month. That's control below one. I mean, walking less than one guy per nine innings. So um, Capuano has been pitching well, uh, been pretty much ignored, I suspect, in a lot of leagues, and uh, uh, suddenly looks like he could be a worthwhile target for the final couple of months couple of other names that jumped off me in the National League from Stevens' column. Tim Linscombe, who had a nice outing the other day, and Homer Bailey of the Reds, who, of course, has thrown a no-hitter this year and has been one of those in-and-out type of guys. By the way, the uh, Stephen Nickrand column on July BPV Leaders is available for free. You don't have to be a subscriber, so check it out at BaseballHQ.com. Uh, Doug Dennis, our bullpen buyer's guide columnist, wrote a column recently, Nick, about post-deadline fallout in bullpens, and one of the names there that kind of was interesting was Rex Brothers in Colorado because Raphael Betancourt didn't get traded. You know, Raphael Betancourt didn't get traded yet, but as we all know, the trades aren't over. Guys, uh, waiver claims being uh, submitted for all kinds of guys, and Betancourt is certainly one of those guys who could easily be traded between now and the end of the, end of the season. But if you look at the, uh, the projected skills in the uh, Colorado pen, uh, brother's skills are just as strong as Betancourt's. He is a lefty, so that might make a little bit of a difference. But uh, certainly brothers could uh, come back into play if the uh, if Betancourt gets traded, and there's there's a decent chance that he will be uh, simply because uh, Colorado's not going anywhere. And so at this point, brothers makes a nice speculative play at, at probably what is a discounted cost before he winds up in the closer role. Now we'll move on to another buyer's guide column. Dan Becker wrote a column. These This is an interesting concept to me, Nick. And that is, he looked at the dominant and disaster weeks for particular batters with an eye to head-to-head leagues in particular when you're looking for guys who really deliver the goods week in and week out or who are a little more streaky. And in the former camp, a very consistent performer this year has been the Rockies' Michael Kadir. Yeah, very definitely. I mean, Michael Kadir has played very well all year. Uh, at this point, we're looking at a 327 batting average, 17 home runs, a 63 RBI. So, and that's not been a streaky kind of performance. That's something that he's delivered kind of week in and week out. Um, yeah, I like this concept too. I think it's a, it's a very worthwhile thing to look at uh, guys who are streaky because I think it affects more than head-to-head leagues. Uh, you know, we talk about the need to have patience, but if you've got a guy who is very streaky, Sometimes it's really hard to be patient while that guy is putting up terrible numbers. So knowing who's consistent and who's not, uh, I think, could certainly help you. And, and Kadir is one of those guys who's been consistent all the way along. Uh, excellent numbers. In some ways, with a 327 batting average and, and at this point 17 home runs, having I mean, almost a career year in Colorado. 
And we should say that even if you're not playing in a head-to-head league with only, what, six or seven weeks to go in the season, this is the time if you're uh, preparing yourself for a stretch run, you really do want to be looking for those guys who are going to be consistent, although there might be something to be said for embracing the volatility of a guy who might put together three fantastic weeks. And one of those type of guys Dan Becker identified, a streakier type of player, is the Dodgers outfielder Andre Ethier. Andre Ethier has had a, a terrible year. I mean, it's one of those things that if you had had Andre Ethier on your roster early in the year, uh, not a guy you would have wanted to, to have there. Look back in uh, in April, he had 244. In May, he had 250. Uh, so certainly not the kind of production you expected out of a guy like Andre Ethier. But suddenly in July, he's up to hitting 3, 312 and uh, has been pretty decent in his, in his power production all season. So uh, the batting nets are starting to come around for Andre Ethier which makes him, I think, a good target for the stretch run. Overall, if you look at his numbers, they don't look, uh, they don't look all that great. It uh, looks like he's uh, really having a sort of, a, of an off year, a 270 BA. Uh, at this point, just uh, seven home runs, 41 RBIs. Uh, you know, the kind of thing you go, ah, oh, yeah, do I want this guy? Yeah. Well, you know, based on what he's done over the last month, you, you, you certainly might. But, uh, you know, as, as Becca pointed out, Ethier is very streaky. We, we can hope this streak lasts a while, but, of course, you can't be sure. Some of the other names on the uh, consistent list from the National League, Matt Holliday, Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs, which is a bit of a surprise. Shinsu Chu of the Reds has been great all year, Nick. Yeah, he has indeed. Very, 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 very strong. Uh, you know, a guy coming over from the uh, from the American League that a lot of National Leaguers might not have been too familiar with and has been playing extremely good ball uh, in Cincinnati all season. And, and certainly been a terrific on-base percentage guy, scoring a lot of runs. Other names, Matt Carpenter, Nora Chica Aoki, um, so there's plenty of choices there. Make sure you check out that uh, Dan Becker column. Nick, thanks very much for joining us this week. We'll talk to you again in a week's time. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Harold Nichols writes regularly for BaseballHQ.com and is our man on the National League beat here at Baseball HQ Radio. Now let's turn to the American League. And BaseballHQ.com Director of News and Analysis, Jock Thompson. Jock, welcome back to the show. Hi, PD. How you doing? Doing great. Saw some tennis earlier this week. Finally saw Serena Williams play. And, uh, boy, it wouldn't surprise me if she could hit 300 in the big leagues. Yeah, no kidding, particularly these days. So she'll hit for power, at least more power than we're seeing. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. A lot of line drives, too, that's for sure. Uh, let's start this week, Jock, in the American League with some finger injuries. The most important one, I think, is in Tampa, where Desmond Jennings broke the tip of his left middle finger. Uh, Matt Dodge at BaseballHQ.com said in playing time today that Jason Bourgeois has been recalled and Sam Fold is going to get some playing time, at least for the time being. How do you see all of this playing out? Well, it's been a little tough to project what Joe Madden might do because the injury is fairly new and uh, the Rays have been uh, playing in a National League park for two out of the three games since Jennings went down and they've had an off day. But uh, Bourgeois has had decent uh, AAA numbers, a 291 batting average and a uh, 21 and five stolen base caught stealing line, but he's only had two at bats since his call up, and he has yet to get a start. Now, now Fold has gotten two starts in center field, but he hasn't been running all that much recently. Uh, you know Madden, he, and and Tampa has a lot of flexibility, so um, uh, I'm not I'm not really sure what he's going to do here. He had Will Meyer in center field uh, in one of those games in uh, in Arizona. Yeah, that's one thing about Joe Madden and the Rays in general; they're willing to do a lot of things differently. So I understand that uh, it's not going to be that long, anyways, before Jennings is uh, scheduled back. 
I would wait and see here until uh, for a little while just to see what happens in the next few days. But you're right. Uh, Jennings is expected to come off the DL as, uh, as soon as his time is up. Um, so there doesn't really look like a big upside play that, that's going to result uh, as a result of his injury. Speaking of finger injuries, Cleveland starting pitcher Corey Kluber, who is actually having a pretty good year, could be out for the rest of the season because of finger issues. Uh, Tom Kephart covered this story in our playing time today this past week, and he said Danny Salazar, who has had a nice little run since his call-up, is probably going to be the beneficiary of the Kluber injury. What do you think? Yeah, well, really, what's what's not to like about Salazar so far? He's picked up 17 Ks in, four, in his 14 innings over his first two starts. He has a 3.29 ERA, and, and this is supported by 129 strikeouts in 93 innings this year between AAA and AA, along with a sub-3 ERA. I think my only problem with Salazar right now is his inexperience, which is likely to catch up to him at some point, and uh, a pretty limited track record thanks to a whole bunch of injuries in his recent past. But as a pitching flyer in mid-August, yeah, I'd, I'd take a shot at him. The only other thing I wonder about is if Cleveland stays in the hunt for a playoff spot, how confident are they going to be with him in uh, taking those critical starts down the stretch? And how is he going to respond to the pressure of having to pitch with playoff uh, hopes on the line? Now, that's a really good point. When a, a new rookie is in postseason play or, or September play with a team that's contending, um, that's a, that's a red-hot calder, and it will be interesting to see how he responds to that. It will be interesting to see, and it will also, I think, help us understand what kind of pitcher he is for 2014 and beyond, which could be really interesting. Now I'm going to offer you a more philosophical question, the save situation in Houston. <laughs> Matt Gelfand covered this in the American League Facts and Flukes column earlier this week and gave what could be described as a very tepid recommendation to Jose Cisnero. Cisnero immediately went out and got bombed, and then he got demoted. So now Josh Fields is in, and he got bombed. What's going to happen with the safe situation in Houston, if anything of value? Yeah, that's one of those uh, metaphysical, unanswerable questions. Doug Dennis also did a piece on the Houston relievers. And I think by now, or at least I hope, that most fantasy owners realize that this is a pen with just terrible skills right down the line. There's really nobody you can bid on with confidence, nobody you should chase. Uh, I think those owners who rushed in to grab Cisnero or Field as they were anointed found this out in short order at the expense of their fab dollars and their ERAs. And, you know, simply put, there's just not enough upside in any of the names in that pen or, or even in potential Houston save opportunities to be chasing any of these names too hard. All right, but suppose uh, I was to say, Jock, you just have to pick somebody. Who are you going to pick? You know, the one name I would pick is uh, uh, Chia Jen Lo, and only because he, he he gets a good scouting report on his pitch repertoire, and he hasn't been bombed yet. He's he's had four innings pitched, and he hasn't given up an earned run, but who knows what's going to happen the next time out. Well, hasn't been bombed yet is quite a recommendation, I have to say. Uh, the Seattle safe situation has become a little clearer, at least for now. You've already talked uh, about Tom Wilhelmson's issues here at Baseball HQ Radio and in your American League Divisional Outlook columns for the AL West. You were an early fan of Danny Farquhar, who seems to have taken over. What's his outlook? Well, I saw Danny Farquhar pitch um, when he was having ERA struggles. I saw him pitch in person, and I saw him on TV against the Angels. He's an impressive guy, and and Wilhelmson has already been demoted. Now, it it reminds us that there's something to be said for a closer who can miss bats and and doesn't walk guys, which, which... uh, Wilhelmson just wasn't doing. I like Farquhar. I, uh, what, in his last uh, his last three outings, he has three saves, and uh, he's allowed one base runner in two and a third innings, and he struck out five hitters. 
Um, even with his intermittent ERA issues, uh, he has a, a, a 100-plus uh, BPV in each month he's been up, suggesting that he really does have the stuff to hold this down. If you're, if you're going to go after one guy right now in Seattle, it's got to be Farquhar. But you mentioned that he does sometimes struggle with ERA. A guy with five strikeouts in seven outs made shouldn't have ERA troubles. Where do these ERA troubles stem from? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I really have no clue. I'm I'm pretty sure it has something to do with command because he's not walking a lot of hitters. Um, you know, he's a guy. He doesn't have a lot of experience, obviously. He had similar uh, very good strikeout numbers in uh, AAA early this year. I've just got to believe that part of it is luck and part of it is just missing the plate too much or, or missing over the plate too much. So it's not walks. He's getting hit. That's correct. That's a a mixed blessing. I don't know. Uh, the problem with walks is you put too many guys on, of course, they eventually come around to score, but at least they're only moving a base at a time. If you're giving up a lot of hits, sometimes those base runners can move around a little more rapidly. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Um, Farquhar has actually um, he's actually had some some uh, walk problems, uh, but they're not they're not consistent. Um, I, the games that I've seen him where where um, basically he's he's given up a few walks. The the biggest problem is that he has he has gotten tagged occasionally. Uh, the combination of the two are obviously deadly, um, but lately he's been very very good. And for his career, Jock, he's around four walks per nine innings in the minor leagues with a high up around six and a low down around two. And that as he's got older, he's got better at it. So maybe maybe it is mostly a hit problem, and, and it could straighten itself out. He's never been a big guy for giving up hits either. His whip is around 1.2 for his minor league career. doesn't seem like he should be having any kind of trouble with any of this, but yet he does. And those walks, when you're striking out 13.5 batters per nine innings, um, Four walks isn't all that critical, particularly if you don't have a big fly ball rate, which he doesn't have. And in at 13.5 strikeouts per nine dominance rate, that went in the minor leagues with a 1.8 walk rate, so his command ratio was 7.5 strikeouts for every walk. I mean, that's Dennis Eckersley country. Yeah, this is a guy with pretty impressive stuff. When I when I watched him pitch live, his fastball was coming in at 93-95, and the change of speed between it and his breaking pitch was amazing. He, when he gets his breaking pitch over, it comes in at 75-78. So batters are pretty much helpless if they're expecting the fastball. Over in Texas, there's been a new development, of course. Nelson Cruz suspended for PEDs. He's done for the year. You've been able to see this firsthand versus the Angels. The Rangers now look like they're going to be running wild. They're trying to generate runs without any power at all. 13 stolen bases in two games versus the Angels. Is this a wholesale shift in philosophy, or are the Angels just really bad at stopping stolen bases? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both issues. Um, obviously, Cruz is gone, and he was leading the Rangers in home runs with 27. I think the other problem with the Rangers is Ian Kinsler only has 10 home runs this year, so he's down. The Rangers are usually at the top of the league in home runs. Uh, right now, they're fourth or fifth in the AL, and they're believe it or not, they're eighth in runs scored. So um, with Cruz leaving, you can imagine the effect that this is having on their offense. Now, the other part of that is that Ron Washington knows how bad uh, the Angels are against the running game. I was at the first game, and you can hang a lot of, of the stolen bases on Ionetta's slow wind-up and release. The next game I didn't watch, but all of the media reports were that Tommy Hansen's slow delivery and hitch to the plate um, were responsible for most of them. Now, Martin and Andrus did uh, most of the damage. I'm sorry, Leonis Martin and Elvis Andrus. Um, but we're probably likely to see uh, Gentry and Kinsler run down the road as well. Um, I think you're definitely going to see the Rangers run more in an effort to generate some offense.
Yeah, Craig Gentry's not much of a fantasy helper, but if he's playing regularly, which apparently he's going to get a lot of playing time because of Cruz being gone, one thing Craig Gentry can do is steal bases. It was a couple of years ago. I think he had 18 or 19 bases and no caught stealings. He, quite a lot worse in that regard last year. But if they're going to start running, Craig Gentry could be a guy to look at. Yeah, Gentry has good speed. He's never quite matched the uh, stolen base record he had a few years ago. But uh, if, the, if the Rangers need runs, um, he's going to be running. Talking about the Angels, how about a bonus question? This Cole Calhoun looks pretty good. Is any of it for real? Well, it's interesting. From what I've seen and I'm hearing from other scouts, he's better than a lot of observers initially gave him credit for. He has shown more power and patience this year, both at Salt Lake City and and with the Angels. And if he's real, I think he's better than a fourth outfielder. I mean, if the power is real, I should say. I mean, Salt Lake City is Salt Lake City, but now he's hitting home runs off you, Darvish. And I'll give you one interesting note about... Uh, about Cole Calhoun. He's a left-handed batter who has shown zero split issues this season versus lefties in a small sample. In uh, in Salt Lake City, he hit 4.2080 at three homers and had a nine-walk, 10-strikeout uh, record in 57 at-bats. It's pretty good for a left-handed hitter. So he's an interesting guy, and for fantasy owners down the stretch with holes out, he's going to get a lot of playing time. I think he can at least help you down the stretch. In four minor league seasons, ranging from rookie ball all the way through AAA, the lowest OPS he's had is 877, and he was coming out of Salt Lake with a 1047 OPS, including 12 home runs in just 240 at-bats. I know it's the minor leagues, AAA, Salt Lake City's not the big leagues, but that's still swinging the bat with some gusto. Yeah, he's always had very good patience. Uh, the question really, uh, the, the, the rap against him was his power. A lot of people discounted the 22 home runs he hit in the California League back in 2011, and I was one of them. Uh, and I even looked at, at Salt Lake City with a grain of salt. But I've seen him th- hit three homers here, and they've, they've been off major league pitchers. So uh, th- there's, it's, it's kind of hard to discount that right now. Also, 42 stolen bases in his last three seasons at uh, the minor leagues, so maybe a little speed there as well. Yeah, he can run a little. He's he's a good fundamentally sound ball player. Um, I think Cole Calhoun, like the scouts are saying now, he's uh, he's at least better than a fourth outfielder, and it will be interesting to see if he can uh, morph into an, an everyday regular. You always have to look at the long run when you're talking about that. Jock, thanks very much for talking with us. We'll catch up with you again next week. Okay, PD, see you then. Jock Thompson is the Director of News and Analysis at BaseballHQ.com, also covers the American League West and does other writing for the site as well. Our regular conversation with Todd Zola is next. Stay with us. It's Baseball HQ Radio. Hi, I'm Ray Murphy. I help run things at BaseballHQ.com. I'm inviting you to join me at First Pitch Arizona, November 1st through 3rd in Scottsdale. It's three days jam-packed with seminars, scouting reports, workshops, and fantasy drafts. And best of all, First Pitch Arizona is three great days just talking baseball with hundreds of serious fantasy players like you and all the top industry experts. And don't forget the ball games. First Pitch Arizona is your chance to scout 2014's impact rookies, including the annual Rising Stars All-Star Game. Visit www.firstpitchforums.com to get the skinny and to register. Sign up by August 31st to get a 40% discount on the registration fee. It's like getting Miguel Cabrera in the seventh round. First Pitch Arizona, come see for yourself why the fantasy baseball winners who attend every year call it the most fun you can have outside of draft day. We'll see you there. Hey, welcome back to Baseball HQ Radio, the Friday News and Notes edition. I'm Patrick Davitt. 
Listen, you want to keep your eyes peeled this week for BaseballHQ.com because you'll find these features. Dr. HQ Rick Wilton looks at some unanswered questions from his inbox. Greg Pyron's National League East outlook covers Bobby Parnell's loss in New York and who might be closing games there as well as much more. And in his Fanalytics column, Ron Chandler looks at his new fantasy baseball format and asks if a month is long enough. Plus our regular features on playing time, facts and flukes, buyer's guides, division outlooks, pitcher matchups, and so much more. Now it's time for our regular Friday Talk with Todd. It's a pleasure to be joined by Todd Zola, contributor to BaseballHQ.com, MastersBall.com, KFFL.com, and the insider section of Fantasy Baseball Coverage at ESPN.com. Todd, welcome back to the show. Great to be here, Patrick. Todd, uh, your ESPN column at the Fantasy Baseball Insider section at ESPN.com, you talked about some tips for how to gear up for the stretch run. This was a really interesting column, and you started off by suggesting that fantasy owners need to work to make up shortfalls in pitching starts or innings required. Explain what you mean by that. Well, the first thing to sort of case this whole thing with is, although it's the insider for ESPN and it's supposed to be you know transient to all sorts of different leagues in the back of my mind i still write knowing that the people are in the inside in espn leagues and the majority of espn leagues either have an innings limit or a maximum number of starts that you can use throughout the course of the year and you know the whole you stream pitchers you you use your good matchups or whatever and if you're finding yourself uh lagging behind the maximum Everybody in September scrambles to get those extra starts, to get those extra innings, to get those extra strikeouts, and, and hopefully, knock on wood, get wins, everything that comes along with it. And if it's a supply and demand situation, if it's September and everybody's looking to make up those starters, the, the demand is pretty high, and the supply of the good ones, well, it's just not very good. So if you need to make up, you know, it doesn't have to be ESPN, it could be anywhere. If you need to make up your starts and your innings, now is the time to do it. Uh, when the when the supply of decent pitching is is a little bit better, uh, there's not as much people scrambling to the waiver wire to pick up those starters. Now, the sort of flip side is, you know, September it was a while ago, not a while ago, that the, you know all those no hitters are in September. Well, there's a reason. It's because Teams are weaker, hitting weaker. So you don't want to overload. You still want to have starts available, innings available to take advantage of it. You just don't want to be reaching for the lesser pitchers to face the lesser hitters. You want to be able to pick and choose the star pitchers to make you know to, to get back on track and, and to keep the pace in September. You also mentioned uh, having to play the categories and not the actual players, and so we'll come back to this in a second. But uh, the advice to maximize your starts and get as close as you can to your maximum, I guess there's a, the, the opposite side of that is if you're looking to make some improvements in ERA and ratio, some people will advise what you need to do is drop your bad starters, uh, take the hit in strikeouts and possibly in wins, although bad starters don't get that many, load up on relievers and try to move that ERA and whip ratio a little bit by getting better pitchers in and worse pitchers out. Oh, sure. That's, that's the way to, especially because the one asset that'll always be there for you in, you know, in the entirety of fantasy baseball, there's no hitting equivalent 
of the middle reliever that had that'll help your ratios. That's always there for you strategically, um, in, in many 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 different forms. So sure, if you decide that you can get more points in the ratio you know, ERA and WHIP than you can in wins and Ks, you know that now is the time to make that switch as well. Uh, the other advantage is being you can trade away all your pitchers that can get used to wins in the Ks, and you can fortify saves in the hitting. Because if you are going to make this choice, you're you're, you're forfeiting points in in a couple of categories. It can be done. You know, I hear people say, "Well, you can't win by punting this and that." Yeah, you can if you make it up in the other categories. You reduce your margin of error, uh, that sort of thing. And you know, late in the year, you need to be able to make up a whole lot of points. But, you know, sometimes it's all about maximizing what you can get. And that 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 is, you know, that this is the time now to make that decision. It's a tough one. Yeah, and you mentioned that a lot of the decision-making, and we are getting ahead of ourselves here a bit, but a big part of the decision-making in deciding how you want to go as far as these pitching decisions is where do you stand to make up the most points? And uh, I can give you a real live example in my Tout Wars team, I, because of injuries and poor performance on, among my rotation members, I am absolutely stuck with ones in wins and strikeouts. I mean, I'm 200 strikeouts behind the next guy for to even to get a single point. I'm probably 15 or 18 wins behind the nearest guy to get that point. I'm going to get ones in those categories. So even if I could uh, land Clayton Kershaw and uh, you know two other Clayton Kershaws, I'm not gaining any ground in those categories. So I might as well trade away my starters and try to help myself somewhere else. Right now, Tout Wars also has this unique rule where your Fab for next year is dependent upon finishing above a certain points threshold. It's a means to try to keep owners as active as possible fighting all season long. Now, not all, not all leagues have that sort of rule, but there's there's incentives. Some leagues have draft picks based upon the amount sure. of points and, you know, that you pay, into a, you pay a number of jelly beans into the pool based upon a certain amount of points. So there are lots of reasons along the way to, uh, you know, to, to keep going, to keep maximizing your points one way or another. And that's just one of the ways to do it. Another example of that is on the hitting side. If you're down there with a with a one in stolen bases and you're 30 stolen bases behind, you know you can get five Jacoby Ellsburys. They're still not going to make up the one point. You might as well trade your Jacoby Ellsbury and get something where you're tighter or have an opportunity to make gains. You said in your ESPN column, Todd, it's really a good idea to sort available free agents looking at their statistics from the last two or three weeks only and not the entire season. Uh, that seems to fly in the face of a lot of things. Why do you say that? Well, again, we have to keep in mind the ESPN audience. And I would, if I, you know, if, if I'm writing a piece for Baseball HQ, I would tenor that a bit. Now, I always, I always do it by innings pitched through at bats just to see who's getting the current playing time. So I don't, you know... Because if you if you do it by the, the the year, you might miss the fact that a you know a certain player is has been playing lately. But as far as you know, then the the evaluation then being uh, you know for 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 a more advanced audience is to look at the strikeouts and look at the walks to get a true evaluation of skills. The uh, the idea the examples I use for ESPN where you know a lot of people just sort and then look at the ERAs and they pick out. You know the the guys with the best DRAs, and those are the guys that they pick up as their free agents. Um, 
you got to play to your audience a little bit. And I, you know, I pointed out that if you do that, you would you would have missed Felix Dubron and Corey Kluber as a couple of examples of pitchers who started out uh, rather poorly as far as ERA goes, but over the past ten or so starts, both are, I don't want to say the word lights out, but both are pitching very very yes. well. Kluber before he got hurt, of course. Uh, but the the point being for to them is to when they're looking for their streaming, I kind of went hand in hand with streaming in August. When you do the sorts, look at the recent numbers to get a better feel for how they may be pitching now as opposed to earlier in the season. But, you know, with the caveat to this audience, it's all about the skills. To look, you know, don't don't use ERA as your as your litmus test. Look at the skills. But I still think I still think it's useful to sort by a recent time frame just to get the idea, just to get playing time, just to know who's in there. It's more important for me for hitting than it is uh, than it is for pitching, just because there's always a you weren't aware that the you know can the Houston outfielder, you know Kansas City's infielders, or whatever some of these teams who they're starting in any given you know week that it's just so transient. It helps keep track of playing time as well. And there is something to be said for looking past full year performance because we are coming into a short run. The stretch run is not a full season. And you'd sure hate to miss a guy. You glance at a guy's batting average for the whole year, and it's 255 or whatever. And what you don't look at is the fact that he hit 170 in April and didn't play a lot, or you know 190 for April and part of May. And since then, he's been hitting 290. And if you are aware of that, at least it can give you a little bit of an advantage over guys who aren't looking at it that way. And I'm not saying you're looking to play the hot hand. I know that's uh, something that... Um, we argue about whether there is such a thing as a hot hand, but it can be worthwhile to understand that A, a guy is playing, and B, that he's playing well. If for no other reason than if he's playing well, he's not going to lose his job anytime soon. Right. It's more of a way to put a player on your radar than it is as an actual, you know, filter, so to speak. Right. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, you got to be careful, like you just, you just said it perfectly. You don't want to judge, you know, he's for the last three weeks, he's hitting 350. He's a 350 hitter. You don't want to think along those lines, right. but it might be a way. Especially, you know, you know, we don't, we all don't have hours upon hours to do our research. Sometimes we have to take shortcuts. So this is maybe a quick way to to get a guy on your on your radar that may not have been there uh, without you know doing a quick sort on on three weeks worth of stats. Just to, you know, oh wow, he's hitting 429. Let me see why. What? How's he been doing? Now I'll go to fan graphs and now I'll really look at him. Now I'll go to the, the HQ player page of him and, and really look and see what he's doing. And in, uh, a, well, I think about 10 days, I'm going to be pinch hitting for Dan Becker at BaseballHQ.com. We're going to be looking at this uh, from a slightly different angle, and that is we're going to be trying to identify guys who over the last little while have had poor results batting but have had the really good skills and have just been unlucky in the short run. So another way of putting guys on the radar, as you say. And you also mentioned that we should look out for players whose seasons might end a little bit early, not because of injury, just because that's a decision the team is making. What do you mean by that? It's both injury and, and, and you know the, the pitchers. Again, uh, approximately one-third to one-half of the ESPN internal games are head-to-head. So they're getting very close to playoff time. And now is the time you need to fine-tune your roster in a head-to-head situation to say if you've got Tony Singrani, if you've got Julio Teheran, some of these pitchers that might be shut down with innings limits. And especially in Keeper's League, do you, do you trade away 
these players for Cole Hamels or for Matt Cain or something, or do you you know do you go into your playoffs knowing that you might be a little shorthanded with pitching? Now, I think recently they're talking about the Mets have about extending the uh, going to a six man and, and, and sort of extending Harvey's starts, so you might not get that two start week, but you might get Matt Harvey through the end of September. And quite frankly, if you do the math, two start weeks are are a little bit overrated in that if you start if you have thirty two starts throughout the course of the season and there's a twenty six week season, you're only gonna have about six weeks where you have two starts. You know, we, we, we pay so much attention. We do so many even in even in Ron's monthly game, we think so much about two start weeks, two start weeks. And they don't happen that much. Right. And I think it's uh sometimes you gotta keep everything in perspective. But you gotta think about a player like Carlos Gonzalez. What if what if the Rockies are out of it and the finger just doesn't quite get right? We may not see another Gonzalez at bat this season. We we just might not. And if he's your star, you gotta you gotta make a man. You gotta think about that. In the head-to-head league, head-to-head categories, you've got the advantage of being able to tweak where you're strong and weak. So if you know Gonzalez is across the board, but if you lose a player that's, you know, more power or more speed, you may need to readjust your roster to try to amplify one category versus another. Uh, you know, so these, these are the sort of decisions you need to make now while there's still ample inventory in the player pool to, 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 to trust and, and to move your roster, maneuver your roster to get some decent players. Um, it's, you know, the pitching, too. You have to think about all the young pitching is... Uh, as I meant, you know, mentioned Tehran, as you know, Fernandez is about from 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 up from Miami. A lot of these great young pitching, we may not be seeing them through September, unfortunately. I think your injury point is well taken, especially if you might you might be looking at a Carlos Gonzalez in a dump trade around this time of year, and you should be aware of the fact that the Rockies are out of it. They may want to give this guy an early start on healing. There are a lot of other players who find themselves in that boat, and as you said, uh, innings limits for a lot of young pitchers are going to be a, an issue. Also, I might add, any team that has a, a poor performance this year might be using September as audition time for their September call-ups and see what they've got on the farm, which could cut into the playing time of not the star regular players, but certainly the marginal regular players that are currently getting at-bats, but who might get shoved aside because the team wants to have a look at the uh, the kid in Double A for a couple of weeks. Oh, absolutely. And, that's, and on the flip side of that, that's a player, you know, if you can figure out who might be getting playing time, there's this is especially true in the deeper leagues, and especially true this year. If you, if you have a bunch of fab left over, it might actually come in handy come, come September because there's always some, some players that come up, and I don't even know who they are because no one knows who they are at this No one knows who they are at this point. There's a bunch of surprises because they're not necessarily the, the star prospects. Uh, yeah. But in September, you know, one month at bats or at bats, anything could happen within a month. So you just, you know, you want to get the guy playing full time. And, you know, the, the, if, if Gonzalez goes down, that means, you know, Charlie Blackman or, or Culberson or, or some of these other replacements can possibly pick up at bats. If Troy Tulowitz, you know, the, Troy Tulowitzki, if he even tweaks himself just a little bit, here comes Josh Rutledge again. And uh, finally, after five months, I finally may be proven true that Rush Rutledge can actually play the game. <laughs> so, you know, there's all sorts of, uh, of, of players in that ilk. Uh, you know, what if Jose Reyes were, uh, you know, to tweak himself on a slide? Chances are we may not see much of him anymore. So there's all sorts of players like that 
at least be ready for it. Have a contingency plan in place. Finally, Todd, the hardest thing for many rotisserie players to do is to understand the importance of playing the categories and not the players. You've written about this for BaseballHQ.com as well. Give us an overview of what that means. Well, it has to do with your sort of big-picture global view of, of value, that, that word value, versus the intrinsic value the player has to your team. That's what you care about. Actually, you, you, that's all you care about if it's, if it's March or if it's, if, it's, if it's September, but it's magnified in September that what matters to you is the intrinsic value, how much that player helps your team accomplish maximizing you know, fantasy points or roto points or whatever. Uh, if you're trying to make a trade, if you're trying to make a decision who to start, who to sit you know, on, your, on your reserve list, sometimes you need to go with a player that has you know, less, you know, air quotes value, you know, in a vacuum. If you go to the, go to whatever, if you should go to the uh, the rest of the season projections on HQ and see how much they're projected to worth, projected to be worth, sorry, you may have to start a player who's not, proje- you know, projected to worth $8 versus $20 if you need those $8 worth of stats. If I'm, if I need stolen bases and my trading deadline hasn't passed, and I'm where I am in home in power, you know. I'll trade Chris Davis for Rajay Davis, even though, wow. wow, you know, Chris Davis is a thirty-five dollar player, and you know, Rajay Davis is a twenty dollar player. I don't care. I want this. I want you know. I want stats. I want Davis's fifteen stolen bases that might get me two or three points, and I'm kind of locked where I am in power. Or maybe I had Curtis Granderson come off the reserve to help make up some of for some of Davis's lost power. It's all about the stats at this point. And it's a way that you can actually sometimes squeeze a trade out because the person getting Davis thinks they're getting a bargain. Wow, I'm ripping this guy off. Look, I'm getting a $30 player. Well, you know, maybe you're getting some home run, you know, but I'm, I'm being helped as well. I'm getting the steals I need. And uh, a corollary to that, and we've talked about this before at Baseball HQ Radio, is how you can place Chris Davis's home runs to help yourself even while you're getting rid of him. So you know you're locked into your eight points in home runs. There's very little chance of moving, but you can pick up three, four, five points in stolen bases because you're only you know five, six bags out of a, a big clump of extra stolen base points. Then you need to maybe target Chris Davis onto a roster that's going to send that roster, that team, past the guys you're competing with in the overall race. So if you can, you know, look at the clump of home runs ahead of you or behind you to make sure you don't get past yourself, of course, and and say, geez, if I put Chris Davis on team number B rather than team number A, team B is going to go by three teams in the in the home run category. That's going to help me indirectly by pushing them backwards towards me. Right. It, it, you know, it's, it's sometimes easy to think about, you know, in saves or steals because they're such singular categories. But absolutely, that's. Um... That's definitely, I don't want to say we're defensive strategy, but it's, you know, points is points. You gain a point, they lose a point. There's a difference of a point in the standings. That's what matters. So it doesn't always it doesn't always present itself, but when it does, it's a very sneaky way. Now, you, you run into the ethics about do you tell the guy that's what you're doing, you know, but I think there's definitely ways that you can case it to that owner without coming right out and saying it and, you know, give him reasons to convince him, you know, him or her, he or she, that that trade is worthwhile for them. You know, in the back of your mind knowing, <laughs> it's also going to help me too. 
Yeah, I, and I don't think that that's ethically dubious at all. If you say to your trading partner, look, I'll give you Chris Davis, you're going to pick up five points in home runs and RBIs, that's a win for him regardless. I mean, you don't right. have to point out necessarily that the five points are all going to be at the expense of guys I'm trying to catch. The fact is you're going to gain five in those two categories and you're going to lose one or none in stolen bases. It makes sense for you to do this. And the fact that the, uh, like I said, the fact that uh, the five points are helpful to you as the guy organizing the deal, eh, so much the better. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of giggling to myself because this is one of the, the first pieces of advice I gave out. And at the time it seemed kind of, kind of silly and I just did it because whatever. But I've actually done this over the years. And if you're in eighth or seventh place and, and what, one of the reasons for, for still battling is you get practice at battling. This time I'm going from eighth to sixth, big whoop, no big deal. Right. But next time I might be going from third to first. And having gone through the negotiations and gone through the practice and the process of, of fighting for those three or four points, even if it's just to get me in the sixth, I tell you, it, it, it made it easier, you know, just the negotiations. Because the negotiations now are different for trades than they are in June and July. So just to have that practice, to gain those extra couple points, may have won a league or two along the years uh, you know, my, from my you know, practicing in my early days, making these sort of late trades, late roster maneuvers. You know, th- th- that too, with reserve, we, have, we sort of didn't talk about it. If I have Davis on reserve, I might sit, Rajay Davis, I may sit a home run hitter if, 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 if Davis is on my reserve, uh, if I need steals. So it's not just trades, it can be from reserves as well. But, of course, uh, be aware that if you're sitting Chris Davis in order to play Rajai Davis for tactical reasons, then trading Chris Davis makes a lot of sense. And so don't just think, um, not in keeper leagues necessarily, but in in situations where where Chris Davis's loss is not going to hurt you down the road. If you're willing to reserve a guy, you should be willing to trade him. Right. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we keep saying trade. Some some leagues still have the trading deadline and end of July and, Every time we talk trade, they're, they're saying themselves right now, but I can't trade anymore. Right. So there are other ways to do a lot of these maneuvers without having to trade. You know, just, just load up your reserve. Even if it's just getting, you know, getting a stolen base guy on your reserve list right now, just in case. Uh, he's, his fingers hurt, but, man, if you've caught Jonathan Villar at all, he reminds me of the, uh, the Little League kid who, you know, who's, who's instructed just get on base and keep running until you're thrown out. Right. Um, He's, he's a pretty fun guy to watch on Houston right now. Assuming his finger's okay, he's a guy to get for, you know, steals down the stretch. Um, you know, put him on your roster at middle infield, and if you need those, that extra punch, he's there for you. Yeah, well said. And, and I'd like to say that if you play in a league where you get a benefit from falling down the, the standings, you should really ask your league to think about changing that rule because, man, what Todd says about – the practice of trying to gain every single point really pays off, not just moving from eighth to sixth, but someday it's going to be third to first, and it's good to know how to do it. Todd, thanks very much for talking with us. We'll catch up with you again in a week. Excellent, Patrick. Looking forward to it. Todd Zola writes for BaseballHQ.com, MastersBall.com, KFFL.com, and the insider section of Fantasy Baseball Coverage at ESPN.com. And that's Baseball HQ Radio, the Friday News and Notes edition for August the 9th. Thanks very much for taking the time to download and listen to show number 34 of the 2013 Fantasy Baseball season. I also want to thank our guest commentators from BaseballHQ.com, the best fantasy baseball website in the business. Our League Watch news analysts were Harold Nichols and Jock Thompson, and our regular Friday correspondent was Todd Zola. 
Our regular HQ matchups commentator, BaseballHQ.com analyst Ryan Bloomfield, was on holidays this week. I'm Patrick Davitt. I hope to see you on the BaseballHQ.com subscriber forums. Remember, you can also check out Baseball HQ on Facebook and our Twitter feed at BaseballHQ. You can also feel free to join the followers of my personal Twitter account at Patrick Davitt. Love to have you. More importantly, please tell your friends about Baseball HQ Radio and take a second to go to iTunes and add to our 4.8 star rating. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again Tuesday with fantasy baseball researcher and writer Jason Collette on our next edition of the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio. So long. Baseball HQ Radio is a weekly free podcast available through iTunes and other podcast aggregators or directly from BaseballHQ.com where we have an archive of past shows as well. Just look for the HQ Radio microphone logo on the right side of the BaseballHQ.com homepage. Baseball HQ Radio is a production of the USA Today Sports Media Group. The opinions expressed on Baseball HQ Radio are those of the individual speaking and not necessarily those of the USA Today Sports Media Group. The program is produced and edited by Patrick Davitt.